And we're live at the studio. Episode 22. 2-2. Two, two. It's not that deep. Bro. I hope everyone's okay. I'm here, with my, I'm here with my good friend Martin. That's right. Don't you forget it. And we've just watched 1995's Kids, directed by Larry Clark. Kids, man. What a film. So what did you think of that then, Martin? On the spectrum of weird uh, weird films that we've watched, that's fucking up there. That was outrageous. That was so... There was so much going on. Oh. There was a lot going on. But it's all about the same thing. It's literally about 24 hours in the life of a group a handful of people in New York um, that are just living with little regard for anything yeah. other than animalistic pleasures. That's right. Basically, what Jack is trying to say, they were talking about fucking. It was just fucking all day long. Anything, any scene in this film, it's something about fucking. Recommended to us by our good friend, Joseph Vazza. That's right. Local photographer extraordinaire. Yes. And... I can see why he enjoys the film. It's shot beautifully. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. the music, the cool... It really is a nice snapshot of the 90s. Yeah. With the clothing. It's good for his time. It's still hauntingly real. Yeah. What were you going to say? I mean... The main character... Telly. Telly. Ah, he is a piece of shit, to oh, say the I'm least. I'm so glad that you, <laughs> you came out. I was, I was worried you'd be like, I like Telly. No, no. He's horrendous, bro. I mean, I can't really find a good character in that film. That no, I like. yeah, no, none of them. Even the girls. Even the girls. Even the girls. Really irredeemable in the way that they're acting. Just no... But it's reality. But it's so... It, it, that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's spot on. Yeah. It's surreal how spot on it fucking is. I mean, it's beautifully shot, like you have said. But the story in this, holy shit. What, what do you think... In your expert opinion, that the director meant by this film? Well, it's a comment on, like, AIDS is the main topic of the film, people that were dealing with her. I mean, um, at first, no. First, like, half an hour, yeah, hour but, but of it. The film is like a comment on... Because that was like a pandemic that was happening in the 90s yeah. and late 80s, and obviously it related to the lives of a lot of homosexual people and that created this big sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, willing ignorance surrounding the disease. So, like, Princess Diana shook hands with an AIDS patient just to show that that wasn't a big deal sort of thing and that was sensationalised in the news as this big deal. But this is showing humans being humans with little regard for any 
health or safety or... Because literally, as the name of the film, they're kids, just kids. They're just kids, I was thinking They're just that. kids, and yeah. That is the point of the film. Mm-hmm. That's why I call... That is like a five out of five film for me because it does what it set out to do. Yeah. The t- like You can tell the fact that it's called Kids Like That, you meant to the whole film be like, oh, they're just kids. They're just kids. Oh, God. <laughs> I know you're looking at it and you're like, this is, but that, this is so sexual and they just, I'm like, oh Jesus. Well, the film, the thing is, I, I was trying to, um, hold on to some sort of, in a film, you expect it to be whimsy based on some sort of fantasy. Mm-hmm. So there's like going to be an arc to the story, and there might be like bits where the main character is down, mm-hmm. but hopefully the film ends or the story ends with a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And there were multiple points in this film where I was trying to like get away from what was actually happening in the film and find something else to cling on to that wasn't as bleak. But then I realized that there's no point because the film begins with Telly doing. The th- the thing at the end that's like the big deal, the that he might give another person AIDS. Yeah, already happened, and that was the first thing yeah. that happened in the whole in the film. So, it's yeah. a real bleak outlook it, that it sets for the whole film because it he's just, he's been doing it the whole time. He's going to continue to do it until he can't do it anymore. Yeah, that is like his. So he MO. basically dies. Yeah, but. It's just too much. They've, they've, I feel like they could have... I mean, it's a great film, mm. but it was just just a little bit too much for well, me. They could have done it in a, a slighter way, but maybe that's the whole intent of the film. That'll be the whole point. This yeah. I caused controversy when it came out. Really? Yes. <laughs> this caused I thought it would. Big scale. <laughs> yeah. That. I thought it would. Letting actual kids smoke, like, I don't know if the drinks were real, but well, um, the smoke is definitely it's real. It's going to be really interesting to look at the production of this film because I know nothing about it, really. We're just right. going off of, off of Voz's recommendation. So uh, I'm following this. It's going to be really interesting to mm-hmm. see what the, the making of it was because it was very legitimate. Like, you could tell that it was, uh, even from my middle-class upbringing and going to skate parks and stuff like that, you can see very diluted versions of these characters that you see in that, in that film. Um, so you, you know that the director lived, you know, a version of this life to be able to tell this story sort of thing because it's done very realistically. Yeah, because obviously the further... Further back you get, like the more lawless there was with kids. Do you know what I mean? Because oh, nowadays this you can, would be fucking. This would cause even more uproar. Yeah, if it was. Yeah, um, but you can have so much like there's so much technology now, so like even parents know where all the kids are at all times. I mean, I think you should be able to make films like this because it's like real mm-hmm. and. I mean, it still happens now. Oh, definitely, it had a point. It wasn't like just showing shit for the sake of showing it. You know what I mean? I, 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 it didn't feel 
it felt a little over the top at times, as you said, just a little. Yeah, just a top. little bit. But I, yeah. think, I, I do believe that to be the point. Um, Chloe Sevigny's character Jenny, um, the whole, I guess she would be like the main actual protagonist of the film, not Telly, because she's the one that has to go on this journey to like uh, find find Telly basically, and mm-hmm. like she's in his footsteps all the way, and she's the one that you can like empathise with to an extent. Um, but again, she she was a very scared character. Yeah. To me, I'm like... Well, the fact that she she didn't even say in it, because the whole film is kind of leading up to that point where Jenny and Tally are going to see each other and she gets to tell him that he has HIV and all of that. It just never happens. No. that I, That's she, what I thought was like probably the climax, but then you sort of see that. Because I was wasn't. kind of I was I was interested to see what was going to happen at that point, but I thought it was actually like real fitting that she didn't say anything. Because he was just in the middle of doing exactly what he did to her. Yeah. So like, fuck him. Like, if, if it was just him yeah, but then on the his girl. own, yeah, the girl yeah. and all of that. But what it's happened, it was happening. So there's like nothing she can do at that point. True. I mean. Really hard, tough film to deal with. Yeah, a tough pill to swallow. And that's without. There's like quite a lot of other stuff that happens in the film, like violent stuff, and just the way they talk. That scene at the beginning when they go to the that house. It's like a DOS house, and it's got like fifteen people living in it. And Is it a Phil? Phil, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, and that gave me, like, anxiety, that scene. So many people talking at once and they're all, like, talking over one another and they're all... People are doing lines, smoking joints and there's balloons being done and there's just no, like, organisation or reason or logic to anything that's happening. It's yeah. quite they, <laughs> panicking. Yeah. The, the way they talk, bro. What? Oh, God. <laughs> it's... It, comes off as real like insecure really because mm-hmm. they're just saying stuff to like appease one another you know what i mean they're like saying what the other one thinks would be impressive yeah to try and show off all the time just con <laughs> what was that bit when um they've gone to telly's mum's house to borrow money and they go into telly's bedroom and they're just <laughs> chatting <laughs> shit back and <laughs> forwards well when he says Yo, Telly, your your mom titty look nice. Yeah, and his response is just shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> yeah, like, that's not a normal interaction between two people. <laughs> it's not healthy. So, overall, it's a good film. It just has that uh, too much. Would you say the holy? I feel like the Holy Mountain went further though. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think nothing can beat the Holy Mountain don't at say this that. point. Don't say that. Di- <laughs> oh <laughs> God, I can see it now. Just is gonna be. It just won't even make There's sense. Definitely some films that are. At least fucking Holy Mountain made sense at the end. I'm glad that you got. We got something from that. I mean, I was just thinking watching this. It. We've had two films now that have been real intense. Do the right thing onto this. <laughs> yeah. Both released within a couple of years on one another, I think. And you could it had that same vibe. The street scenes in this, you know, just when they're like walking down the yeah. hot summer street felt very much like do the right thing. And it's all in New York. So 
that makes sense, I guess. But we're going to have to watch something a little bit more light-hearted next, I feel. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't do another one, bro. Like, it's... Oh, jeez. Jesus. It's just... It's, um... It's intense. It is very intense. I'm trying to think of some... Points. Just, just more... No, more positive things to say about this film. But I, I do probably believe that Larry Clark's intention was not to leave you with a positive sort of taste in your mouth afterwards. Mm-hmm. There was that bit... See, this is not a good... There was that bit after Jenny was raped where... Um, there was like a nice bit of music played and you just got to see some street scenes. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that you weren't focusing on this gaggle. Sex. Well, all yeah, the sex time. Sex and just constant. The party scenes when Jenny walks into that rave and there's just people everywhere, like overlapping onto one another. Like some of them look, you know, perfectly comfortable to be there. And then there's other people that look. Like the druggies and yeah. the people that are having sex in the corner, and it's just very stupid, brave but stupid. That's what I want to say. Like because people do act. Obviously, not now. We're missing is probably exa- exaggerated watching this during COVID to see people acting like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But still, I still think it's outrageous. The se- <laughs> that scene just looked horrid, bro. Like, obviously, it's probably meant to look like that, but at the same time, it, they were all just kids. It gave me anxiety. It's just... <laughs> I was like, what are these people doing? They've got to stop living like this. Were, the things that Teddy was saying just all the time made me feel ill. Mostly about... Touching virgins. Yeah, virgins. That's 13 the main, year olds. That's the main. To, uh, babies, bro. That's the main sort of. This film. Inspiration for Tally's character. What did they say about this film when it came out? I mean, let's find out. Let's, let's get a little, little bit of background on the girl. All right. Let's get some information. Kids, Larry Clark. So the director said that he wanted to make the great American teenage movie. I wanted to present things the way that kids see things, but without all the baggage. This morality that these old, middle-aged Hollywood guys bring to it. Kids don't think that way. They're living in the moment, but not thinking about anything beyond that. And that's what I wanted to catch. Well, I mean... He did. He did. He did. And that speaks to the sense of living without a regard for anything. The, I mean, the last line in the film is Telly narrating over, over some shots, and he says, I mean, it's quite a brash statement, but he basically says, without sex, without fucking, I've got nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm no one. And when you're a kid, things are uh, very much like that. You know, you're, you're focused on the new game or the new kind of thing in your life, the new television mm-hmm. show, the new, even the new serial. It could be anything like a small, but you're fixated on it and once that gets taken away from you, you're kind of nothing. But this speaks to children that have been brought up with adult things around them and then kids see those things 
without the sort of responsibility that's required around those things, yeah, like sex and drugs. Yeah. yeah. So it's, and they just keep on doing it. Um, a lot of film critics labelled the film exploitive and as borderline child pornography. I mean, they're not wrong. They are not wrong. Well, I mean, I, when I first saw- I'd call it wrong in the sense that pornography, by definition, is a film that is meant to be showing sexual content in like a sexual manner, whereas mm. this was designed to. Like, I don't think the director would recommend you follow the <laughs> lives of any of the characters in this film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, porn films are filmed like, you should be doing this. You could be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not. Just the when, I, when, I, when we first started the film, I just um, thought we were watching a fucking amateur porn or, uh, film or something. Because yeah. I was like, what? What's going on? And then it just exploded from there to every other scene. Well, that... Every scene. After that... About sex. After that first scene when he leaves the girl's house, the conversation that him and Casper have is just... That's like the worst one. In, that's the pure first... Pure nonsense. It's pure nonsense. Very full of... I mean, misogyny is not even the right word. It's like uh, just abusive language, basically. But the way... the the brash manner in which they speak in and the back and forth that they have, they bounce off one another like, word, and all of that mixed in with this awful talk is um, how nonchalant they are about it is terrifying. How normal it seems to them to talk like this. Yeah, and they just say it like out loud in front of like all of these other passengers in like... On the train. On the train, and yeah. I'm like, do people, are people not hearing what you're saying? Like... Uh, they might be hearing, but they just don't give a fuck. And you're like, this world can't be real. But it's so realistic in the sense of, like, it, it happens right now. Well, it's happening right... Well, yeah, this, probably not now because of COVID, but... The, that dialogue and the way they talk still 100% exists in today's culture. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it is specifically restricted to like the skateboarding culture that's shown in this film i think that sort of chat gets thrown around pubs i think it gets thrown around clubs mm-hmm. i think it gets thrown around schoolyards it begins at school kids like it shows that they're like this sort of way of talking begins when you were very young and though it's quite interesting you're saying about the um the bit where the kids are smoking at the party that is all they're kind of the older guys are bullying they're like 10 year olds for not having sex and stuff like that which yeah. how's that how's a 10 year old meant to take that he's going to feel like ashamed because he's not done that but he shouldn't be expected to do that at 10 it creates this very like and then he's going to get all insecure and angry about that and when he eventually does have some sort of sexual encounter he's then going to bully the next younger person that's below him and then it creates a cycle that continues oh, yeah. on and on. Yeah. This it's a really good film. I mean there's a <laughs> if we're talking about a film being a way to spread a message and not something just to like make you happy or, or whatever. Like yeah. it definitely got its message across. <laughs> this film was owned by Disney when it came out. 
Disney. Disney. Well, the film was bought up by Miramax, which was owned by Disney at the time. Which <laughs> what I'm, happened to it now then? Get it says, it says Miramax, which was owned by the Walt Disney Company, paid $3.5 million to buy worldwide distribution rights. Miramax was owned by Harvey and Bob Weinstein. Um, later, the Weinstein brothers were forced to buy the film back from Disney and they created a one-off company specifically to buy the film due to Disney's policy at the time of forbidding the release of NC-17-18, films that had an 18 rating. Um, and this was an 18 rating? Yeah, and the fact... I mean, yes, yeah, very sexual. Yeah, there was, they were trying to appeal to make it an R rating, which would be like a 15, I think. I think it works a little bit different over there. NC-17 Films if, is like a nuclear bomb for your box office sales, basically. It can only be shown like past 10 o'clock or something like that, and mm-hmm. it's very... Oh, my God, who is it? Here it's it is. Joe Vaza. No, yeah. Well, yeah, we're just talking about it now. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, come out. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> um... Yeah, I think that R, R stands for restricted. Restricted? Yeah, and that's the highest rating that you can have in America where your film's still going to have adverts that are shown on the telly and stuff, television and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. NC-17 means that it's going to be like, get a quite small release. Yeah, because they can't show that on TV. Yeah, um, which is all really interesting, but by the looks of things, Disney now own that film again. Which is crazy. <laughs> Why would they want to own it? I mean, at this point, Disney own like fifty-one percent of American media, so they're just buying everything. I see. So then it's all going to be owned by one company, Disney. Yeah, there's Disney. I don't know who. Obviously, there's like uh, Netflix. They've got like a huge library and Amazon Prime. Yeah, but I think I'm just trying to think who owns Netflix and who owns Amazon because Disney now have their own streaming platform that they're incorporating this new Star Plus thing into which has like Family Guy and The Simpsons and American Dad. And no idea. It's going mad with the who owns what. Isn't it, what, are you talking about Disney Plus? Yeah, but Disney Plus is now having like a new thing added to it that's normal television shows and not just kids films and television right okay because they own because disney owned fox i see so that's like the simpsons and american dad and family guy and the big bang theory and loads of stuff i thought the big bang theory was comedy central i think let's (laughs) we're we're going a little bit off track but who who cares let's see who owns comedy central So it's owned by Viacom. Viacom is owned by CBS. And I bet. CW. CBS. Hmm. 
Disney shares the advance. Assets owned by the Walt Disney Company. Yeah, basically everything's being consolidated down to mega companies at this point. But it means that Disney end up owning a load of stuff like that you wouldn't imagine to be Disney. Yeah. Like a lot of 18 films and a lot of stuff that you wouldn't traditionally associate with Mickey Mouse and the like. I never, I never did that. Just Disney has always been a place, not a... Not a company. A company, yeah. Oh, see, I, I very much see Disney as... I don't know, they're like an attempt to take over the world, really. Is it a bad idea? A lot of people hate Walt Disney. Why? A lot of different reasons. I think it's getting less and less cool to like white men that try to take over the world, basically. I think that's becoming uh, less and less of like a... You know what I mean? Like the... Uh, Tony Stark style figure. Yeah. We're looking for more of like a council of individuals that can run things, I think, more than like one mega person. That Walt Disney had some crazy ideas. Like in the 50s, he was talking about putting a massive ring around the earth. <laughs> he was looking into space travel. He was talking about building cities. And like, Disneyland was just like a. Uh, he tried stuff out at Disneyland that he wanted to then evolve into, like, these big city plans that he had. So, like, the way that as you walk up to the Magic Kingdom, for example, it's like a mile's walk or something like that, and there's a ever such a uh, slight increase, like, you're, you're walking up a hill. So by the time that you get to the Magic Kingdom, you're actually one story up, and there's tunnels all underneath Disneyland. So then you'd never see a cowboy in the future world or you'd never see a spaceman in the Wild West bit of the park because that would ruin a kid's immersion and imagination yeah. of it all. And he was thinking about... It's mad when you actually go to Disneyland because there's, like, smells that you'll never, ever smell apart from in Disneyland because they, like, pump smells into, like, the, yeah. certain parts of the park to smell a certain way. Yeah, 100%. And... It's very manipulative, really. <laughs> He's like, you're being... What do, you th- what do you think about him being frozen? I mean, it just seems silly, doesn't it? Uh, true, <laughs> but he, look how... Just, you just listed the ideas that I he had. I just listed a load of crazy stuff that he believe, uh, did. So it's not completely unbelievable. No. I just think... You don't hear a lot about cryogenics, that method of trying to preserve people no because maybe he wants to keep it hidden he doesn't want everyone to know because if everyone wanted to know i mean it would be just just imagine just just imagine everyone turning like going in the future coming back and you're like well everyone's gone into sleep so it's the same well that's just futurama really isn't it but like imagine if walt disney actually did come back that would be absolutely outrageous but i just think it's it's a ludicrous concept. I think, and I think 
if we just have a quick look, I think it's well known where he's buried. You know what I mean? I yeah. think it's one of those things that, like, it's just one of those internet urban legends that's got out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great, though. It'll be great. I love. Maybe you'll I have love like the many. Energy. Maybe you'll have many more crazy ideas better for the future. Disney have been a heavy smoker since World War One, and he used cigarettes without filters, and he smoked a pipe as a young man. In November 1966, he was diagnosed with lung cancer and was treated with cobalt therapy. Whatever that is, that does not sound pleasant though. His medical use of gamma rays from a radioisotope cobalt-60 to oh, treat shit. conditions such it's as Hulk. cancer. Yeah, <laughs> basically, he got hulked. Then on November 30th, he was taken to hospital, and on the 15th, he died. And his re- remains were cremated two days later and scattered at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale, California. That's what they want you to think. That's the. <laughs> it's not that deep, bro. <laughs> it isn't that deep, no. But I rate the idea of Walt Disney, and I certainly enjoy. You know, there's there's lots of different dialogues of why one would hate Walt Disney. People say that he ruined childhood classics. You know, took fairy tales and that took uh, made them. A lot of people say because if you read like. Brothers Grimm, which is medieval fairy tales, like Hans Christian Andersen and stuff like that. They're quite dark. There's right, like some yeah. pretty dark stuff in them. And I'd argue that there are there's some dark stuff in the Disney films. Like we watched Pinocchio and There's this. some yeah, some But a lot of people say that he like softened them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he def he definitely did because the actual story of Pinocchio is a lot more yeah, and then, horrible than and obviously that was only in the 1950s and 60s, but now we've got, like, Frozen and stuff like yeah. that coming out of Disney, which is not like a fairy tale, a traditional fairy tale no. at all. It's, it's But I feel like he's getting there. So, like, he he used the his power of, like, being able to create something good out of something bad. Yeah. And put but, it into kids' films. Yeah, I very much... There's something about Walt Disney, the idea of Walt Disney that I uh, empathise with greatly. But then there's just so much that people leverage against him. There's a whole thing that I'm not too well read up on about him being like anti-Semitic and not liking Jews, and which I think I don't want to speak on it because he does in post World War Two have Werner von Braun the ex-head of the German rocket uh, program, like, next to him, talking about... He built the rocket that put us on the moon. So, where do you draw the line? What's a bad person? (laughs) Should we celebrate people's achievements but not their personal lives? Very difficult conversation. Yeah. But we got a bit off topic here. Just like this film, very difficult to talk about. Very. Just because it's... There's a lot going on, like I said before, but it's all about one thing. Kids and sex. Yeah, kids, sex. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) just... And it fucks with your head a little bit because you saw, like, shit. Was this actually filmed like this? Or was it, like, did they did something to it? 
So you're mainly concerned about the actual age of the actors and how the production of the film went down? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I feel at this point in 2021, Larry Clark would have... I don't know what happened to Larry Clark. or But I'm assuming the production of that film was sanctioned by a film advisory yeah. board at some point to be released by yeah. the studios that it was released by and stuff like that. Because if it wasn't, it would just be horrible. I wouldn't put you through such a thing. The, the actors, you know what I mean? That would be bonkers, Martin, if there was actual abuse occurring in this film. I would say it's more great acting. Great acting. Yeah, and great directing and great understanding of the the message that was trying to be put across. And on that note... Yeah, we'll, we'll wrap this up, but I highly recommend that you go and watch Kids um, and see what you make of it. I'd, you know, get like a nice hot bath and a warm meal ready <laughs> afterwards or something like that because uh, you'll just, you know... Oh, before it. Like, just make sure you're... Just do, do something for you. You're relaxed. Make sure you get a good night's sleep afterwards. Yeah, yeah, 100%. We'll be here. We're going to end this week uh, with some music from some of our 24-7 studio alumni, Stranger Mayhem. Um, and this is a song that they released last year in November. This is Tommy, Tommy and Glenn's band. Okay. Few rooms down from us here at 24-7 Studios. This is Get Out of My Head by Stranger Mayhem. We've been Jack Oland. Mind the Verge. And it's been It's Not That Deep, bro. Bro! Keep on breathing